coming at you from the Hey Yo Studios. It's the Fade Route with D and Z. Here are your hosts, D and Z. Coming at you live from the Ayo Studio. Ayo. It's the Fade Route with D and Z. I am D, and we've got a great show for you tonight. We're going to talk about the in-season tournament, Carolina's coaching situation, and we're going to discuss who should be the MVP of the NFL season. But we'll begin today's show with some NBA news. On All the Smoke podcast, Mark Cuban revealed how the future of viewing sports will be tied to streaming. The NBA has embraced streaming format and has been successful luring younger fans. The NFL was slow to embrace streaming. Most NFL games are viewed on linear TV and by an older audience. Do you see the NBA overtaking the NFL as the most watched sport within the next 10 years? Well, question. Let's think about this for a second. Big four sports. Biggest viewing audience of the year. What sporting event? I am going to take a guess. I'm just going to take a shot in the dark. Not that I've heard this before. Uh, I'm going to say the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl. Correct. Boom. Ding, 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 ding. You want to press your luck? Let's go two for two. What was number two on that list, Ray? I am going to go with the AFC title game in last year. This year. Same thing. Number two. Correct. Boom. You're on the heater. So. The NBA, the highest total NBA, the highest viewed NBA game, only told 13.5 million people. That's million with an M. Mm, it's tiny. Yeah. So, for Mark Cuban's sake, he better be courting. He better be courting the street. Be courting the TikTok crowd, the social media crowd. We're trying to condense a 40 something minute basketball game sometimes longer if it goes into overtime you're trying to extract the best highlights and you're trying to extract the most exciting plays and distill it into somewhere between 15 seconds and a minute but doing that you are removing a lot of what makes basketball as a whole a game right you're mostly what clutch threes dunks maybe the occasional sprint back on a fast break and then a block from behind you're not gonna look at a key defensive play you're not gonna get a key rebound you're not gonna get you know you're not gonna get a clutch throw like like those aren't gonna say yeah I'm going to turn it. I'm going to tune into the NBA tonight. Like, that's not set. Right. The other thing you're going to see on the other end is like something like, right? You're going to see him yoking Rudy Gobert from behind in a weird naked choke. <laughs> like, that. that's what you're seeing. That's what you're getting. And for a guy who's selling his stock, right? He's selling his ownership stake in the team for 3.65 percent yeah yeah he's gonna but, just control basketball in this i guess this is like a casino or some some um gambling yeah 
things and how taking sweet, over. How stupid deal is that? Like three point five billion. To, you're just gonna take. You're gonna take over the day to day, right? You're gonna have control. I'm still gonna run. I'm, I'm still gonna do what I do. That's, that's kind of awesome. That's a good deal for, for more Cuban. But you gotta look at the way play is going because the NBA is a it's almost an unwatchable product, particularly in the last <laughs> two months. It's almost a, for all the highlight reel plays. It's an game, unwatchable product, he said. <laughs> it's an unwatchable product. It stops and starts. Tell them how you really feel. It's unwatchable, Adam, Booby. It's an unwatchable product, especially in the last two minutes of the game. Start, stop, start, stop. Timeout, foul. Oh, we're gonna go to the we're gonna go to the table. We're gonna look at a replay. Oh, oh, okay. Now we're gonna keep going. They are getting into the NFL territory of artificially elongating the last two minutes of the game. The NFL made an art of elongating the last two minutes of the game. And now the NBA is really going to start to pick it up. But it also speaks to the quality of the play. And this also ties into the Tom Brady and Alex Smith thing from this week, where Tom Brady is on record saying that the league is much worse than it's been because of a lack of fundamentals, a lack of focus on technique. Whereas Alex Smith's retort was that, you know, Tom Brady played in one of the weakest divisions in the NFL for most of his career. And, you know, for what it's worth, there is some truth to that. The Bills were good for were good for the latter part of Brady's tenure. The Jets bubbled up in the 2011, 2010, 2011. More often than not, they were a joke. Stop. They had top 10 defenses when I was there, even when okay. they were shit. Oh, even when they were shit. Oh, you admit they were, they were shit. shit. They had top... Th- 04 was a top 10 defense. Probably top three that year. And look what got them. <laughs> and the Mangini years, they were good defensively too. And, and the Rex Ryan years, they were good. They went to two AFC title games. They were decent. 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 Okay. So Tom Brady played in the division for close, <laughs> damn near close to 20 years. Hey, man. Jay Fiedler was quarterback in the Dolphins for a couple of those years, all right? Yes, yes, he was. And Super Bowl champion Drew Bledsoe was was quarterbacking for the Buffalo Bills for a few years. Yes. And that so was, was not and then so was Chadwick Pennington for the Jets and the Dolphins. <laughs> and JP Lossman was the quarterback for the Bills for a couple of years too. <laughs> Let's not forget the immortal Rob Johnson. I don't remember him being there. I know who you're talking about. I don't remember the years he was there though. I think I think they got rid of Flutie after <laughs> it was it was after Flutie. I'm pretty sure. Oh my after, god. After Flutie, but before JP Lossman. And before EJ Manuel. Oh, bro, that was a good one. We're kind of making Alex Smith's point for there's some merit to this. But what he what he's incorrect about is that he's talking about this golden age of talent and a golden age of quarterback. Like I don't see that. Mm. Like I, I don't I think that Brady is more accurate with his assessment than Alex Smith is with his assessment. So could the NFL see a dip in viewership? If they do, it's not because people can't find it. It's not because people are, aren't going to be watching on 
uh, on cable, right? It's not because of the cord cutters. It's because they're going to legislate defense out of the game. They're going to like pump up these quarterbacks towards seven-on-seven drill, and they're going to make the game uninteresting. Mm. Now, if, if you know the whole idea is that eventually, you know, the uh, reductum ad absurdum is that oh, it's just going to end up being flag football. Uh, I mean, flag football could be a more entertaining than what we're getting because that, just for an example, that shove to Josh Allen where he took a dive was not roughing the passer. He did like a, a dramatic sprawl and got 15 yards out of it. The NFL needs to clean that up. They need to define what is roughing the passer. Like if you have to... Just looking for them to define what a catch is. I'm still trying to figure that shit out. We're waiting on... What, what's a football move? What the fuck is a football move? Like, that's three right there. Like, what, what, like, if you have to, like, slow... If you have to caress him down and put, like, a blanket over him and then tell him a bedtime story and then dim the lights just so, maybe it won't be roughing the passer. Like, the NFL needs to clean this up because it will definitely send some people away. I don't see the NBA eclipsing the NFL, but I could see, because of things like this, I could absolutely see the NFL coming back to the pack a little bit. Mm. Now, also, I can see Major League Baseball rising, too. Ooh, Rob Banford likes the sound of that. For all the things and everything that we say about the pitch clock and all the ragging we do about it, it seems to have worked. Mm. So you are shaving time off, and by shaving time off, you're retaining more interest. Mm. So if Major League Baseball can maintain this momentum, maybe they can close the gap a little bit. The NHL is the NHL. Like they're never they're not gonna make significant inroads. MLS is the MLS. Even with Lionel Messi, they're not going to make significant inroads. For example, the MLS just finished the first round of playoffs. Their season ended in October. <laughs> it's, now, it's now December. Jeez. Yeah. They played this horrible best two out of three format. And it's just, you lost all track of it. There's an international break in between. Like, it's a, it's a laughing stock. So... You don't have to worry about the MLS and the NHL. Major League Baseball, I definitely can see an upward tick. The NBA, I'll take them at their word for it that, that like this is going to be the way of the future. But I can certainly see the NFL in its current trajectory coming back to the pack a little bit. You know, I, I don't I don't know. Um, I think he's on to something. I, I don't usually agree with with Mark Cuban, especially with his outlook. I mean, at one point he said that, you know, when you go to an NBA game, it should be like going to a show. You know, we're trying to sell not only the game, but the experience. And I, I always thought that was horseshit. Like, I'm not, when I go to a game, I'm going to watch the game, care about the t-shirts they're giving away or a guy giving away blankets in the hallway. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm here to watch a game. But it, the interesting thing he talked about on the podcast was also – he, he, he's moved past kind of he's still in the idea of it needs to be an experience but he's talking more now about an all inclusive experience where you know you're 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 trying to create that atmosphere it's like you know you could feel when you walk into the building it's an NBA game 
or you could feel when you walk in the building, it's like a playoff game and the players feeding off of that vibe. So I can see a situation where, you know, they've kind of moved towards this with some, some programs and some tickets you could buy where it's more of like an all-inclusive package. It's like, okay, yeah, I've, I've paid this price, this, this extremely high price. And it includes my parking. It includes a couple of drinks and it, and it includes like, you know, a promo of some kind. And that's what I pay instead of just buying it, you know, kind of buying it out of the car. Like, okay, I paid my parking. Okay. I get in there and I'm going to buy a drink and it, it's kind of going to be wrapped in this whole thing. Like you're going to a wedding, you know, it's like everybody is here to support the team. We're all getting the same thing and we're all going to this certain experience. So, so I, I can get on board with that. Um, I do think he had, I, you know, one of the things he talked about is how the NFL attracts an older audience. And it's true. It's like, you know, you're, you're a fan of, you know, the Chiefs or you're a fan of the 49ers because your dad was a fan. Your dad sits there every Sunday. He sits in that chair and he watches that game. His friend down the street comes over or maybe he goes to the local bar and he watches that game. That, if you're going to go towards that model, that's definitely going to change, right? Because the younger class or the younger generation – they're not doing that. Most of the games or most of the things they're watching, they're checking on fantasy scores and they're watching from their phone. So that's the whole game is like, I, I'm not going to be able to get CBS on my phone. I'm not going to be able to get Fox on my phone, but I can watch my fantasy team score. I can watch certain fantasy things take place. And, and that's where I'm getting it. Now, the other part that I think hurts the NFL, believe it or not, they don't really have any stars right now. You know, there, you know, there's Pat Mahomes and there's there's Travis Kelsey, but outside of that, there's nothing really attractive. There's nobody, no, nobody's really, really bright lighting it and really showing up and and chasing records and chasing dreams. Where the NFL, the NBA, it is a player-driven sport. So I could be a huge fan of Jokic. I'm gonna not only watch his 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 highlights on YouTube. But I'm also following him on Instagram. I'm following him on Twitter. I'm following Murray. I'm following the Nuggets. Like that is what the NBA fan is all about right now. And I can see that blossoming into, like you're saying, watching the clips of the games and not the whole game. But I don't, I don't, I'm not a person that, you know, some people are just not into watching a whole game and they just want to see what was the highlights of the game. Who won where I take pride, I like enjoy watching a game. I don't enjoy watching a basketball game, but I enjoy watching <laughs> college basketball. I enjoy watching football, and I love watching baseball, especially watching baseball live. You know, so and the other thing is like you you were talking about is that this the game is changing, right? It's and it's not so much about fundamentals anymore. It's more about scheme. You know, you're throwing passes because the defender can't defend this pass. And if he does, he's going to get a 15-yard penalty. The, you know, we could do the tush-push because it's not outlawed and nobody's figured out how to stop it. Every time we line up, it's first and nine because we can get a yard or two whenever the, whenever the hell we want to. Um, and I do believe that the Philadelphia Eagles is one of those teams that they're good because of scheme. The 49ers are good because of scheme. They're not good because they're teaching fundamentals and and how to read the quarterback and how to how to backpedal correctly. And you know, for a person who who likes the X's and O's of football and likes to be able to watch and 
you're losing me on that because now it doesn't it doesn't matter. None of that matters. Josh Allen is going to drop back to pass. He's not going to see anybody open, and he's going to take off up the right sideline, and nobody, everyone has to go at him half speed because if he slides and I hit him, I'm getting a 15-yard penalty. If he dips out of bounds at the last second, I'm getting a 50-yard penalty. Where I think 10, 15 years ago, if Josh Allen dropped back to pass, he likely was not able to escape the, the pressure all around him from blitzing players, from guys trying to knock his head off, rather than guys are just trying to knock him down or prevent him from breaking the pocket. Well, think so, about like, the last 15 years, right? Since you invoked the last 15 years, you're looking at like 2008. A guy like Lance Briggs, a guy like Brian Erlacher. Could you imagine them playing under the restrictions that you have to play under today? No. Like, they would not have the positive impact. A Dwight Freeney, a Robert Mathis. They get called for roughing the passer all the time. Yeah. The game is completely changing. But it, it's, it's, the ground is unsteady between, beneath our feet. Right, and that's the part that you're, you're losing fans with that, right? Mm-hmm. The idea that I'm a 38, 39-year-old man, I don't know what it catches. I don't. I don't know what it catches. The fact that instant replay doesn't work. I've seen them numerous times run instant replay and get it wrong twice. These things are frustrating for a younger generation because they can't get into it. They're like, I, I don't get this. I don't understand. Isn't the idea to tackle the quarterback? What did he do wrong? Oh, he he uh, he pushed him too hard at the end of the play. Oh, he put all his weight on him. And then you have a young person looking at him and say, he didn't put all his weight on him. My team just got cost 15 yards for that? Forget this. Forget this. And in the NBA, like you said, they're more attracted to the stars, the Kevin Durant's, the Lomelo Balls, the you know. So I'm not, I'm not so interested in the outcome of the game, but how well did the player that I like play? And what's he putting up on Instagram after the game? What sneakers are he, was he wearing? What jacket did he arrive to the game to? Like, this is what, this is really what the younger generation cares about, you know. So. I don't know how the NFL could tap into it. They're doing it with a little bit. They've embraced Amazon with the streaming service. But here's the problem with that. One of the most one of the things I love to do during the football season is go to the Thursday night game, go to the bar with my friends and watch the game. And I can't. I can't because the bars don't stream the games. So that's the part that, you know, bars, restaurants all lost out on that this year for sure and I don't know what this I don't know what to solve for that and I don't know what the fix for that is where the NBA I could pull up NBA any anytime anywhere so he might have something there I, I don't I don't think he's completely wrong you know we're gonna find out we're gonna find out not with this TV deal because I believe that they're up for a TV deal this year next year we're gonna find out on the next TV deal. Because honestly, all the money is moving to digital. It's digital advertising now. That's what they care about. They care about clicks. Not so much about your viewing and your impressions. It's it's more about, oh, did they see this ad? They click on this? Were they interested in this? And this and then this thing is gonna track all their movement on their social media because they viewed this one advertisement while watching this one game. 
That's huge. On average, I spend about an hour and 38 minutes on my phone every day. I'm sure kids spend four to five hours on it. It's different. It's changing. It's for sure shit changing. But, you know, sticking with the NBA, the in-season tournament is drawing to an end. Whoa. Players have taken to the tournament. Viewership is up. And scoring is up. Has the in-season tournament won you over? Why is scoring up? Because <laughs> point, point differential Matters. is a tiebreaker. I like that. I like so, that. I like that a lot. Eh. It could, uh, you it, know, it, the problem it's is it easy, could be. It's, yeah. it's easy to do yes. in soccer. They ripped it oh. off. They, they ripped this format off of soccer. Well, I was going to say it's easy to manipulate. I was going to say it's easy to manipulate. Because you could you could really pound a team when they're down. Absolutely. And since every team in the league is in this thing, like, yeah. oh, I drew the Wizards, I'm going to beat the shit I'm gonna out of them. I'm beat them down. I'm going to beat the And then you, you can't out. trust the Wizards to do their job and put up a fight. They might right. just not have it that night. The Wizards don't really have it any night. The, I mean, if you really want to, like, play the Pistons. If the Pistons, what, 15 in a row? Lost 15, 14, 15 in a row? Like, they haven't put up a fight since before the trade deadline last year. They've won, like, four games. So, it's bad. You know, it's a bad game. Oh, yeah, the Pistons are really bad. Lipstick on a pig, man. That's and they think their coach is the highest-paid coach in the league. He's he really sure is. $76 million, something like that. It's wild. He sure is. But, to me, like, all you're doing is putting a fresh coat of paint on a lemon. Right, the foot, the basketball is still not a good product. <laughs> a fresh coat of paint on eleven. I love that. That's great. It's, it, all you're doing is kind of freshening this up. They're playing for fifty grand. No, five hundred grand, right? Five hundred or five hundred. Yeah, it's it's half a mil. It's half a mil. Still, that's what? How many minutes does LeBron have to play in order to earn five hundred k? I think it's like yeah. 10 minutes. Yeah, so, no, I hear you. Know, you. I hear you. It's not worth it. I mean, if it's divided among 15 people, no, it, it's not worth it. That's there's nine of stakes. Now, you know, right, especially, right. Yeah. There's not enough stakes. You're right. There's not enough stakes on it. That's because what would that's, it be? You know, yeah. what would be adequate stakes? Like an automatic playoff bid, right? I mean, especially if I mean, let's look at the teams that made it to the. I've got a lot of wild theories on stakes. How about these guys? are very competitive right mm-hmm. and on every trip on every plane ride they're all playing cards for money yes how about everybody how about everybody put their money in put their money in their money you're playing for the sun's money you're playing for the bucks money that changes the game that changes it big time and i think there needs to be a bigger reward for whoever wins you're not only going to take everybody's money, which uh-huh. is much more fun, right? Is that you do, I think you should get an automatic playoff spot. Maybe not like a six seed or an eight seed, or maybe, maybe, maybe you get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Like, think so, like, like, let's look at the teams that are left, right? The let's Pacers, do it. Let's do it. Knicks. Yeah, you got, we got the Lakers and the Suns. We got the Kings and the Pelicans, the Bucks and the Knicks, and the Pacers and the Celtics. Okay, let's do this. Let's say the Pacers were the one team to win this whole thing, right? Okay. Man, wouldn't it be great if the Pacers were 
guaranteed no less than an eight seed. So let's say they suck and they have a terrible, terrible year after this, and they're not supposed to make the playoffs. They're gonna get the eight seed. They get it, right? Or how about this? The Pacers are the Pacers do play decent enough. They become a six seed. Pacers, because you're a six seed and you won the in-season tournament, you have home field advantage throughout the whole damn playoffs. Now that changes things, doesn't it? That makes this thing worthwhile to win. That I think that puts a lot of asses in the seats. I think, and you know, I do think a lot of the players are into it. I heard Halliburton say like he never won anything before, and it'd be great to win this and win something. Okay, okay, yeah, I get that. But you tie some some real shit to this, and I could get. I'm not. I'm not interested in this at all. I'm not interested in the tournament. But you put some more weight in it, where you know what, everybody's got to cough up money into to play in this tournament, and the winner it's winner take all. Winner takes everybody's money. That to me, that you can get people playing. Oh, people are gonna play very hard for that. You wouldn't have to worry about load management. That's for. Oh no 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 no. Oh no 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 no. No 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 now that changes the game that changes the game and you're looking at Suns Lakers so you you know LeBron's gonna play KD's gonna play all those guys are gonna play Zion might actually get on the court yeah I mean I do like the whole I I like the idea of the point differential the problem is is like it could be manipulated and other teams could take really full advantage of it and that's the only problem with that being like a tiebreaker or that influencing things Absolutely. Um, so as far as stakes go, like yeah. home field advantage, the home court advantage definitely could work. An automatic playoff bid, or an automatic—I mean, if they're below, if Pelicans win, right? The Pelicans are not—they're yeah. not going to do. It. They'll probably be at the 12th seed. Okay, fine. Since you won the tournament, now you get to be—we're gonna—you're gonna bump ahead of those teams. Now you're gonna go into the 10th seed. So now you get yeah. a chance to play. Yeah. Now you get sure. a chance to play. You know, it's like sure. the, it's like the number thirty in the Royal Rumble. Like, okay, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, or, let's let like depending on how you finish the year, that's what your reward is going to be. And maybe maybe if you're the seven seed, maybe you don't get home field advantage throughout the whole playoffs. Maybe just in the first round. The first round you get, to, or maybe you get the first to play the first three games at home. Like some kind of benefit. Give something to because what you're hoping for, right? is you're hoping for a team like the Pacers or the Pelicans wins this. So it makes, when they play later on in the playoffs, they, it gives them a chance or gives them something they wouldn't have had, you know? Or Because the whole thing, the whole purpose of this tournament is to give meaning to meaningless basketball, right? right. Because totally. these fucking games don't matter right now. The only thing that matters is after the All-Star break. So why am I going to watch anything right now if it doesn't matter? And to be honest with you, Z, I'm more interested now than I was a couple of weeks ago because now it's single-game elimination. Now it's a real tournament. Now it's now this is what I'm talking about. People are going home in, in one game. That's what's up. So we can definitely pencil in Bucks versus Suns, right? The <laughs> but if you're looking at another way that you can incentivize this and somehow get the better, get the the shitty teams to actually put up a fight, maybe you split this into two. Maybe you have the winter, and then you have the spring, right? And the winners face off, and the winner gets the number one pick. 
like akin to a loser's bracket. Okay. Like something like okay. that, because that way okay. you've now take you've taken tanking out of the game. Yes. Right. You've eliminated tanking. You've incentivized these also rands to play well and to keep their teams together, or to add for the playoffs for this losers bracket. You know, number one seed tournament. And you've now rejuvenated the league because there are 14 teams out there who know they're dead in the water. Yeah, they know. Even though, sure. even though you're looking at the top 10 teams, seven through 10 get into that tournament, they still have no business being there. Like a lot of these teams have no business, like the Charlotte Hornets. The Charlotte Hornets have no business being near a playoff spot. Yeah. But this this gives the fans energy. It gives the players energy. It gives yes. the organization energy. And yeah. it, it can revitalize your product. I don't like the courts. I don't yeah. like the jerseys. No. I, don't like that gar- I don't like any of that garbage. I do agree that you need to have a different feel about it. Um, you know... And maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm thinking outside of the box here, but I do like how the semifinals and the finals are in Las Vegas. But why don't we get more of that? You know, I mean, I, we live in New York. We get, we get random team, random college teams that play at Madison Square Garden and that play at the UBS Arena. Why not have like Pacers, Celtics in Oklahoma City? Like, why not? Let them see two teams that they would never see play. Like we, like people in Oklahoma City will never see those two teams. Put them on a neutral site. That's fun. Maybe get Kings, Pelicans, and South Beach, or Bucks, Knicks, in Chicago. Like something like that. I think it was well, no, Chicago. Maybe too close to the Bucks, but you know, you get what I'm saying. Like maybe that's the better way to to spruce it up, other than changing the courts to these awful things that you, you hurt your eyes. How about this, Suns? Lakers at Cameron Indoor. Yeah. Pelicans Kings at Rupp Arena. Like, yeah. bring it, and bring it. Well, the only problem, well, the only problem with that, right, is that those arenas are too small. So you'd have to go, you want to have a place that has more than 30,000 people, I would think, right? Yeah, you don't but this, go... is, this is where the NCAA loses it because they, they book these stadiums and yeah. then the on court, everything's messed up because the, it's not what they're used to and like the court is elevated and now the shots are off and now everybody's missing. How about we do like street ball? Let's play outside. Let's do something like in in the Texas or Florida or Cal- California where it's a little Vegas, warmer it's Phoenix nice and, and let's yeah let's play outside let's get a game on the blacktop ain't nobody taking dives on the blacktop nobody sliding on the ground there right let's think that there's there's definitely different ways to spruce it up for sure avoid messy accidents get better stopping power with your brake pads Callahan brake pads never know when you'll be driving in the road and there will be a truck tire that you need to avoid and save your family. Callahan Auto, we really care about what's under your hood. Just a weird, weird story coming out of New York. So apparently Brad Osmus, switching over to baseball here, 
is really excited to join the Yankees this year, probably because he's been doing nothing for the last two years. The former catcher and former manager was hired as the Yankees bench coach to replace Carlos Mendoza last week. You see, I don't really get this. Does the bench coach matter on a team that relies heavily on analytics? You keep mispronouncing. You keep saying bench coach. You're mispronouncing. It's interim manager. Ah, ah. When they fire Aaron Boone, inevitably. You think the Yankees would do that in season? It's completely passive aggressive. They would do it. They, what? They've never done it. Have they ever done it? We'll have to get our intern to look at that. Billy Martin. Oh, well, he was a lunatic, and that was in the 70s. <laughs> and it's the last. I think he's actually buried in my town. I have to check that out. Solid. I'm pretty sure he's buried up here. Gotta love Valhalla. Yeah. <laughs> Babe is buried here, and Garrick is buried here. Oh, hell yeah. So, you know, Brad Ausmus has managerial experience. It definitely helps. Aaron Boone is a dead man walking. He's been a dead man walking for a while. The only thing that saved him is the fact that he's surrounded himself with people who are more inept than he is. Right? They brought in a neophyte and Sean Casey. He was on MLB Tonight, and the next thing you know, he's in uniform. He's back in the booth. So, like, moving on from that, they brought in James Rousen. James Rousen, the, the, you know, the very successful hitting coach of the Detroit Tigers. Because the Detroit Tigers were so good. Fucking lined it up. Yeah, you know, everybody not named Miguel Cabrera. Fantastic. So, you know, the bench coach is really the conduit during the game. So, I don't necessarily think that it's going to matter too much in the day-to-day and in the you know grand scheme of things, what I really think is that it's this is a shot across the bow to Aaron Boone. Like we brought in a guy, we put him on your staff who has more experience than you. Now it's bad experience. He's under 500 for his managerial career, and he's had several. He's had a couple stops, right? He was in Detroit. He replaced. You know, he was in Anaheim as well. You know, he replaced Joe Madden before they fired him. They were, he replaced Mike Sosha before Joe Madden took over. He was kind of like the stopgap there. It doesn't really, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter if the analytics are going to be the driving factor because who's really the manager of the team? It's Brian Cashman. He just wants a guy down there who will execute his vision. Right? It's like it's like Moneyball. The reason why Billy Bean and Art Howe didn't get along is because Art Howe didn't want to do what Billy Bean wanted. So he's like, fuck you, I'll find someone who will. And that's why Bob Melvin was so good. And I think we're kind of seeing that. But I really, I really don't see this ending well for Boone. And I don't see this ending well for the Yankees because Brad Ausmus is not a good manager. <laughs> He's just not a good manager. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I don't I don't really I don't understand. Like to me, 
like your bench coach is got to be someone that you're really vibing with that you get along with that you you you're looking forward to spending a lot of time with and brad osmus just doesn't look like that guy like i just don't see him and boone like gelling or seeing baseball the same the same way together um you got what you got a catcher and a third baseman predominantly that doesn't really gel it's not like you got a pitcher and a catcher it's not like you got bobby cox and leo mazzoni here like that's not what we got here like this is not i don't i don't know what obviously taylor's thinking i don't know what what the hell (laughs) i don't I, i don't know where this came from i don't know why anybody thought this was a good idea so but I, I the, to talk to answer the question, it doesn't really matter who the bench coach is when you have an analytics team because I find it hard to believe that Brad Osmus is going to be sitting on the bench and telling Boone like all these numbers and statistics. He's just going to be telling Boone whatever Brian Cashman told him before the game, right? Or whatever right. the analytics team told him before the game. That's what he's going to be reinforcing. That's what he's going to be reiterating. Not his baseball sense or his mind for or his intuition. It's going to be, this is what we talked about before the game. So stick to the script, Booney. Or you know what? Completely. The, the percentages says we should be doing this in the seventh inning. Not that. Like, you know... It says here that he gets hit harder the third time through the order, so let's get him out right now in the second inning with, with two men dead. Like that's you, there you go. You hit the nail on the head. That's it. It's not going to be like you know what, Boone. Give him one more batter. I think he can get this guy out. I believe in him. We were working on some things, you know, the last couple of weeks. Let's see if he can get this guy out. No, no, there's none of that. That's not what it's going to be. It's going to be, up. Yep, numbers say third time through the order. He gets hit really hard. Uh, he just walked the number nine hitter. He's heading into the third the third time through the order. Get the bullpen ready. Let's get him out. That's it. Or, oh, let's use the opener. Let's, let's take him out. Let's put in another, let's put in another reliever. Yeah, it's absolutely asinine. We talked. Let's about go to a before. bullpen game. Let's go to a bullpen game today, because that makes I mean, a lot of fucking sense. Exactly. Like, they're gonna expect a starter. They're they're, gonna, yeah, <laughs> we're I mean, getting ready to get them. We're we're about to hit the road. Uh, we want we want everybody fresh for this road trip. Let's let's do tonight. Let's have a let's have a bullpen game. Let's see. We got Rodon going tonight. Chances are he's going to give us two-thirds of an inning. Let's just skip him and go right to the bowl. No, no, no. It's going to be he is going to give us two-thirds of an inning. We know he is. <laughs> and after 60 pitches, we're going to pull him. In two-thirds of an inning. In <laughs> two-thirds of an inning. We're going to let him. We're going to let him. Yeah, just that's what it is. But, oh, my God. You know, but from – yeah, you, from... you were talking about, like, scheme and football and how it's become it's become that that is ruining baseball like all of this this lack of guts this lack of reliance on intellect rather than just you know just dead set reliance on the numbers and that is the downfall of the sport you know every sport feels this need to evolve 
right? Because I think we can all agree that as time goes on, you do need to make some changes, right? But, I mean, with baseball, I mean, they've been just making changes every year. And, and in football, it's like you kind of understand the changes they're making, but the changes they're making are lazy changes. And, you and like, it's basically to benefit the offense. It's to benefit the quarterback. It's to keep scoring up. Even though the Patriots and the Giants managed to only score 17 points in a four-quarter game, I can't believe in, a, in an age when you can, anybody can score, they can't. But it's just you got to be careful with you got to be careful with the product. And I think with the NFL, they're very arrogant and they think that they can do anything and they're still going to get viewers and they will for now. But with the with the uh, with the baseball. You got a lot of traditionalists who watch baseball, and you got to really be careful with that because you know what? You and I, we liked watching the two-one game between Clemens and Pedro. You know, oh we God, we so we enjoy watching Randy Johnson strike out like twelve guys and make a bird explode. How about Nolan Ryan pitching thirteen innings and striking out like seventeen players? And throwing, over, and throwing over 130 pitches. Like, that would never happen anymore. Like, yeah. I don't know. Our days of seeing a guy who goes 200 innings is... I don't know if we're going to get a lot of those, you know, no. moving forward. No, we're not going to because analytics says that his stuff and his velocity goes down. Ergo, therefore, he needs to be protected. We need to take him out as soon as possible. Like the last, Justin Verlander is really the last of a dying breed. Yeah. And even now, Justin Verlander is breaking down before our eyes. Like yeah. This year, we I mean, we got a front row seat for at least a little bit of it because he was in Queens. So we, we got to see. Max Scherzer, same thing. He's breaking down before our eyes. These guys that were carrying the mantle for that old school like mentality are now starting to hit wear and tear. Now, part of that's due to the rule change, too, because of the pitch clock. They now have to speed up a little bit, whereas they could have been more deliberate in the past because they were uh, they were under no pressure to deliver the pitch. So that's one of the rules that I think has definitely impacted that. And, you know, guys like Osmus, guys like Boone, it, it really doesn't matter because Fishman and Cashman really run that team and at the end of the day like in middle management you're going to you're going to do what your bosses tell you or else they'll find somebody else who will and that's kind of where Boone is right now that's where Brad Austin is right now they're stupid visors that's all they are they're stupid visors in Yankee uniforms and if they don't do it someone else will be doing it for them. Step outside of your safe area and make a statement without saying much with FCK Clout Lifestyle Apparel. Embrace the colorful chaos and stay emotionally regulated in their hoodies, snapbacks, graphic tees, accessories, and more. Season 3 merch is up now. Get it while you can. Go to fckclout.com and get all of your needs from men and women.
That's fckclout.com. And speaking of, they wouldn't do it, so somebody else is doing it for them. Frank Reich is out of a job. I'm glad you said his last name correctly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Frank Reich is out of a job. Unbelievable. One in ten on the year. Caroline is not going anywhere fast. So, owner David Tepper fired former head coach Frank Reich along with assistant head coach Deuce Staley and quarterback coach Josh McCown. <laughs> so it was a gutting on offense. So was the firing justified, and who should be the next head coach of the Carolina Panthers? Wow, he's worth $20.6 billion. Uh, no, I don't think it was justified. I mean, anytime you have a rookie quarterback coming in, there has to be a plan. Like, what's the plan? Like, I would assume that they discussed this before they hired Frank. Like, Frank, what's the plan for the quarterback this year? Like, how are we going to bring him along? How is he going to mature? What's the assessment after eight games? What's the assessment after 10 games? What's the assessment after four games? Like, you know, that should have been an ongoing conversation. And, you know, I think there was, there had to be some kind of idea of how this growth was going to look and how his development was going to look. And it doesn't seem like they were on the same page. Now, I don't know if, it's true if Frank Wright didn't want, you know, Bryce Young. I don't know if that's true. And, you know, this move, this move by Tepper, I think this is going to be create a problem for him to get a new coach in there. Because how can I take this job if you're firing Frank Wright after 11 games? Like, how am I going to feel comfortable moving my family here, setting up a life here? If you're not going to even let this first-year coach and this first-year quarterback gel. So, you know, I I made a list. I mean, I think there's a difference. There's a difference, right? There's who should be the next coach and who probably will be the next coach, right? So here's my list. Who should be? Let's start with should be. I think if the Buffalo Bills were to fire Sean McDermott, he probably should be the next coach. I think that makes sense. He's Uh been there. He knows he knows the lead, he knows the team he knows the he knows the area I think that works. Uh, Jim Caldwell, who I believe in this is an assistant on the staff right now. I mean, he's a guy that deserves to have another football team work with a young quarterback. You know, the dude knows coaching. He's got a thing like called Super Bowl ring. Yeah, and the last one I would say would be Dan Quinn because Dan Quinn's going to coach defense up. They're going to play defense. I don't know how the offense is going to look, but they're going to stop people. And, you know, that's that is that's always the big thing. I think if you're getting a young quarterback and a young team is you want to you want to have someone that understands defense. It's not completely defensive minded, but understands defense. I think Dan Quinn is good enough to bring in a good quarterback coach and a good offensive coordinator to help a young quarterback. Um, now I move on to who will be. The next coach, probably Eric Bieniemy, just because Sam Howell's leading the league in passing yards this year, and David Tepper's gonna be like, "Well, if if Sam Howell can lead the league in passing yards, I'm sure we can get Bryce Young to do that." Or Lincoln Riley. Oh, Lincoln Riley's had so much success in his college career, and he's doing so good with Caleb Williams. I'll give him the job. He'll be able to do well here. 
And then the last one is like the obvious is John Harbaugh. That might be the hardest one to get, but oh well, you know, he did good in the NFL. He did good at Michigan. He knows how to coach young quarterbacks. Look what he did with Kaepernick. I'll get him here and he's gonna do well here. So yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. I mean, if we are to believe what we're told and through reporting, Reich wanted CJ Stroud. If, if we believe what we're told. David Tepper sweeps in. No, we're going to take Bryce Young. And then you hear all these different machinations of how they were going to go to number two instead of number one. But then the Houston Texans became difficult to deal with, so they just went outright and traded their best receiver and all their draft capital for the number one pick. Setting up the Chicago Bears for many years to come. (laughs) If they get it right. You know, there's no uh, guarantee on that. But the proof is in the pudding here. 30th in the league in passing yards at 173.3. 28th in the league in rushing yards at 92.6. 15.7 points per game, per game, 29th in the league. There are only 32 teams in the league, for those of you that <laughs> forgot that. So, a change needs to be made. I don't know if you, like, I don't know if, I don't know if gutting the offensive side of the ball, godfather style, was the way to do it but I think there's a way to do it because you know as much as Frank Reich did not want Bryce Young he's coaching him up it's not like Jeff Fisher where he's like fuck this I don't want to work with Jared Goff why the hell did you draft Jared Goff and then where's Jeff Fisher out on his ass so that there's definitely there's definitely an impetuous nature to David Tepper which makes me think that a veteran head coach is not going to go there. No. Right? A Jim Harbaugh, a Jim Harbaugh is not going to go there. A Lincoln Riley is not going to go there. Like they have credibility in college. Why the hell would they leave a cushy gig? Right? I mean, Jim Harbaugh may be forced out because of the whole allegation, you know, the Michigan allegations. Like he may be on his way out anyway. But I think he's got a safer landing spot in Chicago if they decide to move on from Matt Eberflus. He's a former Bear. Like, that seems to be a good a good fit there. But if you're looking for some possible first-time candidates, you hit the nail on the head with the enemy. I still think that Ron Rivera doesn't finish this season. I think Josh Harris may turn around and say, we've got this guy under contract. I don't want him going anywhere. Let's see what he has. Because Ron Rivera hasn't exactly been lighting the world on fire as a head coach. Then you guys start looking at some other hot shit, hot shot coordinators. That leads me to Lou Anaruma, right? Yeah, I think he's a good coach. He's a good defensive coach, a good defensive coordinator. What is he as a head coach? We don't know. And you don't know until you hire him. Now, you got to deal with David Tepper. That's the thing. It's your first gig, so you're going to do and say anything to get (coughs) Right? You're going to put up with a lot of shit to have a seat at the table. And you're going to have to, right? This is like Jimmy Haslam in Cleveland. you got to put up with a lot of shit 
just to say you have a seat at this table. Even a guy like Kellen Moore, right? Kellen Moore might be regarded. He might be desperate, right? He's been Das Wunderkin for years. This was, you know, he was supposed to be the next great coach in waiting. And now he's not doing much with Justin Herbert. He'll still get an interview and you'll do what you need to do in order to get the job. What David Tepper should not do is do what Jim Ursay did and hire a guy straight out of the booth. Of course Greg Olson is interested in being the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. There are only 32 of those jobs. And, lest we forget, Tom Brady is going to take Greg Olson's job. So why not? Why not throw your hat in the ring? But it's going to be a long haul. It's completely unjustified firing. It's a completely unjustified firing of the entire, like, brain trust. And it leaves a lot. It, it leaves a lot up in the air. And it creates a cloud of uncertainty regarding the stability of the Carolina Panthers and whether or not people will want to go there, free agents or coaches. But speaking of having things up in the air, we're coming down to the end of the NFL season and there is really no clear-cut MVP candidate that stands above and beyond everybody. So, give me your top three MVP candidates. Oh, man, you know, it's just it's just been a really weird year. And maybe this is the final year since 2012 where we get a player that's not a quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and my my suggestion would be Tariq Hill. I mean, he's the leader in yards, he's the leader in yak, and he's the leader in receiving touchdowns. Um, he's not the leader in receptions. Keenan Allen's got him beaten receptions, but he is the most valuable player to his team because that offense runs based on his movement. Like he makes entire defenses focus on him. Most of their plays are generated because he can run a 15 or 20, 25 yard dig route in like five seconds (laughs) or four seconds or three seconds or two. Like he's that quick. Um, And they have these outstanding clips of him where he catches the ball surrounded by four people. And believe it or not, he's going to score a touchdown on this play because he catches it and nobody can catch him. He's just so fast. So he would be, he'd be the person who would get my vote. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shy to put a bet on him to win the MVP. Um, now, if you want to go to the quarterback route, I, I'd have to say the first person I would choose, I, I, you might laugh, but it's Dak. I mean, he's second in touchdowns, and it's just the eye test. Like, he's won some pretty critical games. Yeah, he lost some games too, but, I mean, we all know what Dallas is without Dak. And in a year where he lost Zeke, he's stepped up, and, and Pollard hasn't been what they thought he was going to be, and he's delivering the football all over the field. He's staying healthy. He's, he's only got six interceptions. He's not turning the ball over. Mike McCarthy's pulling plays. 
the eye test, I go with De- I go with Dak, and my third guy, uh, I'd say Stroud, just because he's second in yards, and it's unbelievable how well he's played this year. Cam Newton esque the way he's leading his team as a rookie with a bunch of nobodies at receiver and beating teams they shouldn't be beating. I, I like Stroud, and if I had to pick a four, they'd say Jalen Hurts, but. You know, Jalen Hurts, he seems hurt to me. He doesn't seem like he's being as great as he, and he's, listen, he's got nine rushing touchdowns. He's got most total EPA. Like, he's definitely crushing it. It's just that visually, I, I, I'd go with the other three guys. So, if Dak is a serious contender, and he should be, 70% completions, 29-35 yards, 23 touchdowns, 6 picks, then Mahomes also needs to be in on this list as well. 68% completion, 29-17 for yards, so not that far off from Mr. Prescott. 21 touchdowns, 9 picks, so not that far off. Statistically, not as far off as you would think, based on the play. Like on the eye test, it doesn't look like Mahomes is having as good of a year because of all the drops and because of the Kelsey fumble and just stupid shit. But statistically, he's there with Dak Prescott, but Dak is having a good year. Hurts, last year was Hurts' year. If Hurts was going to win it, it would have been last year. He's having, he's having a subpar year compared to last. I would throw T- Tyreek Hill... Absolutely. Especially if he gets 2K. If he gets 2,000 receiving yards, it's over. He's got 1,300, right? So he would need 700 in the next, what, like five games? How many games are left? Yeah. So, I mean, the way the way the Dolphins hum. What does he got? Yeah, he's got 13, 24, and 11 games. Oh, no, there's six games left. So six games left. He, and he's he need 100 yards a game. Like 100, 110 yards a game. Which he's capable of doing. Mm. Now the question is, is that if he's close and they have a playoff, if they have a playoff seed sewn up, does Mike McDaniel play? Yeah. What's will. more important? Nah, he will. He's not like, he's that guy. He'll, he'll definitely play him. Yeah. At what cost though? He doesn't that care. Become, and that's the problem. I'm not if I'm Mike McDaniel, I'm not sacrificing the potential Super Bowl just to get Tyree Kill two thousand yards. So that's why they pay him the money to be the head coach. You need to be thinking big picture. So if I have a playoff if I'm not starting Tua and I'm not starting anybody everybody because my playoff seed is wrapped up, ain't no way Tyree Kill's playing. With Skylar Thompson or Mike White is the quarterback. No. And that leaves my last guy. TJ Watt. Why not? He's tied for the league in sa- league lead in sacks. He's a game wrecker. And you can argue that he, the defense is the only reason why Pittsburgh's winning. <laughs> so if we're talking about value, TJ, Trent Jordan Watt, you are extremely valuable. But... I, I, there is a dark horse candidate. And his value is all the more prevalent 
this season now that he's been missing. That is one Mr. Aaron Rodgers. Much in the same way that Aaron Judge was the MVP of the Yankees last year. Just look what happened when Aaron Judge got hurt. They went in the tank. Look at what has happened to the Jets without Aaron Rodgers. If that is not a testament to this man's value, I don't know what is. And he's set, he's officially set to come off of IR. As if coming down from the heavens. Why, I don't know. But he's there. He's coming. It's the second coming this year for Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't have much, he doesn't have anything to say. But if he comes in, he's eyeing Christmas Eve. He comes in the last three weeks of the season or two weeks of the season and he starts lighting shit up. That really shows you just how valuable he is or how valuable he would have been. But Dak would be worthy. TJ would be worthy. Tyreek would be worthy. It's the NFL. They're lazy. They'll probably just give it to Mahomes again. Are you in need of air care maintenance or service? I have the company for you. Air Care Technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling maintenance and service needs. Just give them a call at 914-315-1547. Again, that's 914-315-1547. Or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians at gmail.com. These guys are the real deal as they are veteran-owned, licensed, and insured. Make sure to tell them that DNZ sent you. Fair or foul? Judging the more messed up stories of the week. All right, boys and girls, we have a statement. It's either fair or foul. Fair or foul, number one, Patrick Kane will help the Red Wings during the 23-24 season. Man, I love Patrick Kane. I was upset that the Rangers didn't go get him. I think he absolutely will. I know he hurt his hip. I think he's back. He's a dominant player. I mean, he's phenomenal. I love Patrick Kane. I think it is fair. Patrick Kane still has plenty of gas in the tank. He absolutely does. Now, he got hurt prior to the playoffs last year, and he was a shell of himself when he was with the Rangers. But when he was healthy, in 19 games, he tallied five goals and seven assists. Right? So in that short sample size, he showed that he still has plenty of gas left in the tank. He had 20 goals last year, right? His, his productivity is there, and he's only 35. You're making it sound like he's like 52. <laughs> you know, it's, not, it's not like he's Gordy Howe. You know, Patrick Kane definitely has gas left in the tank, and I find it interesting. The Chicago Blackhawks just jettisoned Corey Perry after uh, an... <laughs> 
after an incident that may or may not have involved Connor Bedard's mother. <laughs> and they don't put in a call saying, hey, Kaner, you want to come back? You want to come play with Bedard? They lost Taylor Hall. They just jettisoned Corey Perry. They can use a veteran winger in Chicago. But instead, he goes and he signs with the arch rivals of the Chicago Blackhawks. That's some vitriol right there. That's a little bitterness. That's a little bitterness. That's a chip on his shoulder. And I think that Patrick Kane with a chip on his shoulder can be a very dangerous weapon, especially for a Detroit team that's playing well. And they're not far off from making some noise in the Eastern Conference. The Rangers really, I mean, it would have been nice if the Rangers re-signed him, but I don't know, well, especially... They can use him now that Capococco is hurt. But they're playing extremely well right now under Peter Laviolette. The system is working. Drury seems to have made all the right moves. They're firing on all cylinders. I think they were holding out hope that Patrick Kane would play the waiting game and they would kinda he would kind of fall back to the pack a little bit, but you know, who's to say that they don't go out and add somebody at the trade deadline? Like uh, one Mr. Vladimir Tarasenko. You know, they got him last year, which was surprising. And right now he's on the Ottawa Senators, and they're not good. So who knows? There may be a reunion with another former Ranger coming soon. But, you know, Patrick Kane was inoffensive to me. Good luck. Let's see how you do. You still got plenty in the can. You know, you still have plenty to offer the Detroit Red Wings. Fair or foul? Number two, Ryan Day should be fired and Urban Meyer should be brought in next season. Fair. 100% fair. Because you know Urban Meyer, he's just going to be able to get the Buckeyes back on track and they're going to beat Michigan. That's what he was able to do while he was there. He's a college coach. You can say what you want about him. Dude knows how to win knows how to coach young men and I think Ohio State's the perfect place for him um, Ryan Day thank you it's been nice but you're just not cut out for this Big Ten football it's foul a career in six years as a head coach 56 and 7 What's his record against Michigan? That's all that 50, matters. 56 and 7. What's his record against Michigan? He's 0 and 3 against Michigan, isn't he? And 56 and 7. You're going but, to jettison this. But they guy. don't care about that there, dude. They don't care about that. What matters is, is did you beat Michigan? Well, they're fucking matters morons. Up there. That's the only thing that matters to these guys. I'm going to say it. They're fucking morons. <laughs> You're going to let a guy walk who's 56 and set big. That's an 89% winning percentage. It's 89%. And he does not have the baggage that Ur- that Pope Urban does. Pope. Pope, Ur- Pope Urban and his Knights of Columbus are going to come back in. And what are they going to do? They're Round up the felons. Be- Get all the felons. And it's all legal now. Everything that he, everything that he did. I heard today. I heard today. Matt Rule said that a, tra- a quarterback in the transfer portal 
cost between one point five and two million dollars. That's why. Did you ever wild, see the program? <laughs> Did you ever see the program with James Con? All the time. Yeah, that's exactly what this is. Except it's all out in the open. It's all out in the open. All the shit that was going on in that movie, it's all out in the open. And Urban Meyer, like, he's gonna have to compete, right? Because there are, he doesn't have as much gravitas as we think he does. Because the way he left Jacksonville, that definitely sticks with you. And it's one thing that you have all this previous success at Florida and Ohio State. You want to preach character, you want to preach all that shit. At the end of the day, like you're going to have to put up results. And he can't compete with Alabama. They're not going to be able to. They're not going to be able to compete with Georgia. Forget Michigan. That's small. That's small. That's small potatoes thinking. That's small-minded thinking. Like, oh, oh I beat you. Uh, neither one of us won the national title. What are we talking about here? Nick Saban got another one. What are we talking about here? You need a guy who's going to go in and beat Alabama. You're going to need a guy who's going to go in and beat Clemson. You're going to need a guy who's going to go and beat LSU. That is what is important. Think big picture. Pope Urban and the Knights of Columbus, that's just very small-minded. You're going to let a guy... Again, 56 and 7. Yeah, he hasn't beaten Michigan. He's beaten everybody else. He's beaten everybody else. Right? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So this guy's going to go someplace else. And he's going to have a great collegiate career. Well, shit, he goes to the pros. And he does something in the pros. Oh. At least we beat Michigan. As you're sitting home on the couch watching the national championship playoffs. Because you're not in. <laughs> Hang your hat on the fact that you beat Michigan. Smart. Really smart. podcast has its own merch line now go to the fade store with dnz.com today for all your fade route merch needs i'm talking tank tops t-shirts sweatshirts like yoga pants we got those too like some cool accessories we got those too and we're not done yet we have so much more planned for you but check out what we have today at the fade store with dnz.com that's the fade store with dnz.com The Fade Store presents the Alleged Superstar of the Week Award. All right, boys and girls, you know what time it is. It's time for the Alleged Superstar of the Week. We put up a poll on our X account at 
Fade Rod DNZ, and you vote, and you vote, and you vote, and you vote. And the winner of said vote gets a shout out on this here show and takes home the coveted ass trophy. And do you know who took home the coveted ass trophy this week, D? I don't. Serginio Des, narrowly beating out the University of Colorado. <laughs> Surprising. Surprising. But that was last week. This is this week. Who are your nominees for Alleged Superstar of the Week, D? First up, we got Josh Dobbs. Almost cost me my fantasy game on Monday night. Everyone slobbered over this guy as he excelled with the Cardinals and then got traded to the Vikings. But Monday night, primetime against the Bears. Four picks. Look like dog shit against the garbage team. Josh Dobbs, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Number two, Deontay Johnson. Been complaining all year. Decided not to block or or get involved in a run play and watch the ball get fumbled next to him. And the other team picked up the ball and returned it. Deontay Johnson, you are my alleged superstar of the week. And number three, Patriots and the Giants. Feel bad for anybody who was at that game on Sunday. God awful. 10-7. Oh, went to overtime. I would prefer that game be played on a Tuesday night in front of no one. It's funny, though. DeVito is playing better than Zach Wilson. It's Giants. You are my alleged superstars of the week. What do you got, Z? Good choices. All very good choices. I'm going to start with Deion Sanders. Ripping into recruits that decommitted from Colorado since... Dion made some controversial comments about allowing players to still go on visits after committing to a program and the subsequent fall from grace of the Colorado Buffaloes, you know, losing in their last nine games. Quote, a kid ain't even faithful to his girlfriend. You think he's going to be faithful to a school? Come on, man. That's an emotional thing. Well, yes. Yes, it is. But breaking your contract with Jackson State to go to Colorado and then taking 86 players with you from the transfer portal and displacing the members of the team you really don't have a leg to stand on here, Dion. You really don't at all. Deion Sanders, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Carolina Panthers. One in ten. You weren't going anywhere this year. It's a rebuilding year. Why are you firing Frank Reich? in the middle of the season. Let him grow into the job with his quarterback. Give him an opportunity to coach this guy. And maybe, just maybe, you can be onto something and he can blossom. Maybe Bryce Young can turn the corner. You know who else had really bad rookie years? Peyton Manning and Troy Aikman. 
how about you let him try? Because even, you know what, Jerry Jones didn't fire Jimmy Johnson because Troy Aikman had a bad rookie year. That's all I'm saying. And Jerry Jones is temperamental. Carolina Panthers, you are not only the alleged superstar of the week, but you are an extremely dysfunctional franchise. And last, but certainly not least, Buffalo Bills. <sighs> quizzical. Quizzical, quizzical, quizzical. Came back uh, against the Eagles, had him on the ropes. He had the opportunity to try and move into field goal range. Yes, Tyler Bass is not the most accurate kicker in the world, but you give a guy a shot, there's a chance. There's a 50-50 shot that he can make the kick. Instead, you take the knee, go to overtime, do nothing on offense, and then Jalen Hurts moves the ball at will on your defense. Buffalo Bills, that window is closed. It's official. And you only have about, let's see, negative $25 million to spend against the salary cap. You, you actually have a negative salary cap going into next year. That's a problem. You're going to need to cut bait on some players. So, you heard that? You heard that? That's your window. It just closed. Buffalo Star of the Week. I think we've said our piece. Go to our X account at Fade Route DNZ and vote and vote and vote and vote. And for our nominees. Just do better, boys. Just do better. This has been the Fade Route with DNZ. Thanks for tuning in. Catch our podcast on Wednesday nights on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. So until next time, stay faded, everyone. Time for us to run the go route. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.